Revealing Voices is a mental health podcast that is faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. Host Tony Roberts and guest hosts with lived experience take you on a journey of revealing voices, working for justice, crying out for healing, speaking the truth in love, and expressing beauty in art. I'm Kevin Early Bird Early, technical producer and sound mixer, and I want to welcome you to Revealing Voices. Hello and welcome to season four of Revealing Voices. I'm Tony Roberts and I'm joined by two special guests who are actually new podcast team members for this season. Kevin Early, who is serving as technical producer, and Laura Pagliano, co-host for the first four episodes of the season on advocacy. In this trailer, I want to introduce them and give you a sense of what you might expect from Revealing Voices over the next 16 monthly episodes. First, Laura. When I conceived of doing serial episodes, I knew I wanted to start with a topic of advocacy, and you were the first person who came to my mind. So Susan and I hopped a flight to Baltimore, and you very graciously welcomed us into your city and home. You are, among other things, a founding administrator of the Facebook group Advocates for People with Mental Illness, which has over 19,000 members. Tell us what drew you into advocacy. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, what drew me to advocacy, of course, was my son's illness. And as his illness progressed, um, I was able to understand what goes on in the world of mental health. When he was in the hospital, a social worker said to me early on, it's a broken system. And I said, yeah, it's kind of broken. No, it, I, I didn't under, even understand what went into mental health care. And when you're in love with your child and you're going through these uh, obstacles to obtain care, it's twice as stressful because you want your child or your loved one to get the best care, do the best you can, but it's not like a medical care system where they go in, they have tests, they receive a diagnosis, there's a standard course of treatment. And so as I took care of him and became more and more aware of some of the really, really terrible problems that we have in mental health treatment in the United States, I became pretty active in advocacy. One of the reasons I knew that you would be a great co-host is that you would bring with you a strong network in the field of brain illness advocacy, and you did not disappoint. You introduced me to and helped me recruit all of our first four guests. Tell us about who they will be and what 
they bring to the table? Well, Kathy Day, I met on Twitter uh, years ago, and we had similar interests and we laughed at each other's jokes. And then we realized we both have a seriously ill child. And so we kind of bonded over sharing stories and um, finding ways to get treatment. Her loved one also has a terrible meth addiction, and that's something I knew nothing about. And my son had severe schizophrenia, and her son was undiagnosed, um, but really struggling in terrible shape at home. And I just really um, admired her tenacity. I can't even describe how many avenues this woman goes down and knows how to go down. The tricks of the trade, she's just full of them. And she's still, my son is gone and she is still doing this very hard job with her beloved son um, to keep him in treatment. And because of under other underlying issues, sometimes his treatment fails. But she's one of the strongest women I know and one of the strongest advocates I know and never leaves a stone unturned. I run a weekly support group and I regularly forward people to Kathy Day to say, and she will hunt down the help that's near them or find a path for them to get their child in treatment or seen by a doctor or whatever they need. So, um, I did meet Kathy through Twitter. We've never met in person, which I hope to rectify someday. But um, she's just a really, really strong mother, really strong advocate for her child, and a really good friend. And uh, we, we text each other weekly over just nonsense in addition to um, our work in the field of advocacy. Um, Catherine Park, I met through Johns Hopkins hospital. She was a social worker who specializes in schizophrenia. She has only treated patients with psychotic illness since she started many years ago. And she's one of those clinicians that's just a bright spot in any setting. She enjoys her clients. They can't be too sick for her. She keeps trying. And uh, we became good friends through the clinic, even though she was not my son's social worker. So um, she's recently opened her own clinic and is doing, is doing well um, in an outpatient setting. So uh, she works at uh, Bayview, she worked at Bayview Outpatient Psychiatry in Baltimore, which is owned by Johns Hopkins and which has a first episode clinic and it has a clozapine clinic. So her, just her depth of knowledge and this overriding compassion she has and really her love for her patients uh, drew me to her. And so I thought she would make a good guest for you, definitely. Janet Hayes, I met through uh, national advocacy going to Washington, D.C., and she was part, she is part of a group called Healing Minds NOLA, which she started after uh, the big hurricane washed away New Orleans and closed a major hospital there that never reopened. So she has seen the tragedy unfold in her city 
um, about mental illness crisis and treatment, homelessness, just devastation when patients aren't housed and fed and treated well. And she also, she became a good friend and she also uh, took over mentalillnesspolicy.org, which was DJ Jaffe's group. And DJ Jaffe um, is very well known. He passed away two or three years ago, just tragically for us and for our advocacy, because he really just cut out all the nonsense, got straight to the point. You're ignoring the sickest people and it has to stop. And she took over uh, his organization when he passed away. And then I know Kevin Early because early in my advocacy, I read his father's book, uh, Crazy. And it was the shock of my life. And Kevin was actually disguised with a pseudonym in the book. And, um, but as I talked with Pete off and on, and we emailed and he included my son's story several times in his blog, um, I was really, I really wanted to meet Kevin. And so Kevin and I met in Baltimore when I was trying to put together a parent's education sessions that didn't end up happening at um, the Hopkins Schizophrenia Symposium. So I've, I've known Kevin, I follow Kevin, all of his good works and his music and his uh, incredible art um, on the various social uh, platforms. But these are four people that I can think of with varied experience, a clinician, a patient, successful, Kevin's guys masters, he's just very successful, and two other advocates who kind of represent to me across the spectrum um, needs in advocacy. We need someone in clinical to stand up and talk about this. We need someone in policy, that's Janet Hayes. We need a parent, that's Kathy Day. And then we need um, a really strong voice like Kevin who can help us understand what this is like from the inside and how we can best advocate for um, other patients to get good care and have a good outcome and a good recovery. That's great. And we have with us this, <clears throat> now Kevin Early, and not only is he a strong advocate, but as Laura pointed out, he is a recording artist. And since I am losing Eric Riddle's technical skills, I wanted someone with experience and expertise in this vital area. Kevin has written and recorded music for the podcast and will be sound editor. Kevin, tell us what uh, about recording music drew you into the business? Well, it's really just a way to tell stories. Um, and music, it's sort of a healing, therapeutic way to kind of express yourself. And I remember the first time I recorded a song dealing with mental illness, it was a song I recorded back in 2007 called Mental Hospital. 
And the first time I recorded it, it was like a huge weight was lifted off my chest because I was speaking about these things that I was going through that I hadn't really spoken about in my music. And it really felt right to kind of, it's very therapeutic for me to make these songs and put them out into the world and um, people can listen to them. Um, you kind of enter a zone when you do any creative art, whether it's painting or music or writing, where you kind of flow and you get in this creative zone where time kind of stands still and you feel connected to like a higher power. So that's another another reason why I create music and art and, and uh, writing because it connects me to that higher power and it, it's a practice that I continue to hone my skills at and it's, it's, it's a therapeutic practice that I can express myself through. And why don't you briefly share your latest project that is still in the course of being released? Um, well, the newest project I have is an album that I call The Divine Comedy, which was kind of like a concept album. So sometimes I make albums and they don't have an overarching theme. But this particular one um, starts out in um, the Inferno, and then we go through the Seven Deadly Sins, and then we go to Purgatory, then we go through the Seven Heavenly Virtues, and then it ends with Paradise. So I enlisted some help from some of my friends and some people that I admire to uh, kind of bring the vision to fruition. And it's, each song focuses on a virtue or a vice, and I have three interludes from a um, musician who I admire, who I hired to uh, do the interludes. And then I have a DJ um, for the section of the album that deals with hell. And I have a woman who I wrote some songs, who did some singing for the section that involves heaven. So it kind of takes you on a journey through morality and uh, things of that nature. The next thing I have coming out is a documentary uh, through Ken Burns' people on PBS on June 27th and June 28th. I was interviewed about four years ago, and it, it tells my story pretty in-depth about music and art, and they even brought me up to Brooklyn where I recorded with a live band, and I got to re-record that song that I told you about was the first song that I recorded where I spoke about mental health. I actually used some of the lyrics from that and it'll be in the documentary that'll be airing on PBS in June. So I'm very excited for people to be exposed to that. And it's not only my story in this documentary, it's about 20 other individuals, most of them younger individuals, but because I was young when I had my run-ins with the police and the mental health system, it focuses on that part of my life. But it's about youth mental health, and the name of the, the program is Hiding in Plain Sight. Wonderful. Great opportunity to uh, both experience therapeutic artistic expression and uh, uh, have a voice. Um, <clears throat> it is my hope that bringing Kevin and Laura on board will not only produce a more professional podcast, but it will boost our outreach. Kevin, if you could cast a vision for what our mental health podcast might be and do, what would that be? 
I think authentic would be a good word. I wanted to be authentic. I wanted to reach people. Um, I think having these conversations, we've seen a lot in mainstream media recently with Simone Biles, with um, other famous figures who've used their platforms to kind of express that mental health is not a luxury. It's not something that you can uh, address when you need to address it, but it's something that you should have in the forefront of your life. Like Simone Biles was expected to be a big champion in the American Olympics, and she had to prioritize her mental health above um, possibly winning gold medals. Naomi Osaka was a tennis player who also had to prioritize her mental health um, instead of winning Wimbledon or any tennis matches, she had to put that forward. So it's something that I think is gaining a lot of ground and people are having conversations because mental health, it affects the most sick among us, but it also affects everybody. So it shouldn't be something that's regulated to just the sickest among us. Um, it's something that everybody deals with in one way or another. And I, I think it's important that everybody adheres to their mental health and takes time for their mental health. We're all in this together. Thank you. And Laura, what are your hopes? My hopes are that this podcast reaches a wide audience and that people begin to really understand what a mental health diagnosis can mean for um, a person experiencing a crisis or an illness, and also the family, and then, of course, society. And I hope that when they learn more, they do better. I think every human person should be an advocate for this. You see the effects of untreated mental illness on the street corner of cities every day, you see homeless encampments. You know people who have gone to jail. You know people who have um, committed suicide or completed suicide. And so every person should be an advocate. This profoundly affects everybody. For every one person who becomes ill, it's estimated that six to 10 people also suffer. Their children, their parents, their job, their coworkers, people who love them, marriages break up, children are lost. And um, I really, really hope that people listen to this. Honestly, I love Kevin's word, authentic, and take it to heart and decide to show their brother and sister some true compassion and some true grace. And I would echo the two of these as well as add that we hope to expand our vision of what it means to be faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. Our guests will come from a variety of faiths and worldviews to explore the mysteries of the mind and how it affects mood and behavior. Looking at trauma, mental health, and faith communities and therapeutic artistic expression, we will have guests that represent the best of what there is out there as we care for and treat those impacted by brain illness. 
So stay tuned. Our next episode will be out in June.